Welcome to Back Country and Barbell. I am Joe Shamanic. Today's episode is brought to you by PR Lifting Quality Fitness Gear here in the Pacific Northwest. Guys, Anthony and the gang at PR Lifting provide just about as good a gear as you can get. And for those in the Pacific Northwest, guys, there are awesome shipping rates, especially if you live on that I-5 corridor between Everett and Portland. Check them out, guys. Um, if you head on over to my Instagram page or the Backcountry and Barbells um, Instagram page, you can see me swinging, uh, getting up, and doing all kinds of stuff on that gear. It's the kind of stuff you use all the time and only have to buy once. So check them out, guys. Also, guys, the podcast is super honored to bring you information and awareness regarding the Send a Vet Foundation. Send hyphen A hyphen Vet. Org. Um, check them out, guys. The big mission there is to send our nation's combat injured warriors on various outings, um, adventure outings uh, that could be here in the north. It can be here in the in the in the United States. It can be all over the world. At the auction recently, guys, where we raised well over a hundred thousand um, dollars. We auctioned off a great trip to Africa. So check them out, guys. Send hyphen a hyphen vet dot org. Um, if you have some spare change, if you got a couple hours to donate, or you have somebody who needs their help. Um, we're interested in fielding your call, email, um, or any correspondence. We'll figure out a way to get you guys set up with the right folks. Also, guys, head on over to um, our website, backcountryandbarbells.com. You can check out the Basecamp program. You can learn about Jeremy and myself. And um, you can learn more about the sponsors we just mentioned and, and stuff that we have coming at you. So um, fire it up, guys. Uh, today's episode is... Um, layering considerations, guys. Again, we're all getting ready for the next fall season. Maybe you um, are going to be buying some gear. We discuss um, layering basics. And uh, we even get into um, a bit of a public lands discussion. Um, a lot of you guys may be hunting public lands. Maybe maybe you're hunting private. But um, in this episode, we do get into a little bit of that. So for your listening, um, for your enjoyment, check out episode 12 of Back country and barbells thank you very much all righty how we doing gang you are listening to back country and barbells um with jeremy day and joe shamanic uh jeremy salt lake city are you uh you're hawking uh what do you what do you sell up there you, you sell like um uh, lubrication equipment <laughs> oh, lub- for the auto industry okay i i always get the feeling you know when i hear when i hear lubricants my mind just goes to personal usage and uh or even like i think of like exotic things you could do with it like i had this backstory that you were like selling um specialty lubricants to trapeze artists that they could (laughs) that they could not only utilize to keep their bearings uh oiled up but also then turn around and and slick their bodies down so um I know it's not that crazy, but uh, aside from dealing, yeah. well, yeah. it's funny when I when people ask me what I do, and I say, well, I um, I'm in the lubrication equipment um, business in the auto industry, but the look on their face when they hear lubrication, they start that you can already see the mind just start going. Oh, so I'm not the only this? one. No, <laughs> no, but it's pretty amazing. It's usually when I'm in a group of people, right, and then the guy that's not even really listening to us, and then they kind I can kind of see their ear move in. <laughs> What do you say? <laughs> so, I'm, I'm empty. 
Very yeah, good. it's funny. Uh, no, so wow. Any so with that said, I mean, it's uh, this isn't where I was just going to tease you a bit because I know that's not what you do, but I just think it's funny to bring up. But that so that really is something that happens. People has anyone has has there ever been a um a mix up or a strange question or just you ever gotten pissed off where you're like, come on, man, no, it's not what I sell. Like <laughs> no. backstory. No, no. Usually, because I, I followed up with the auto industry because the first times I the first couple times I said it, you know, and people would look at me like clueless and then i thought oh man maybe i'm not being fully uh, disclosing everything here so then i just started saying in the auto industry you gotta add that descriptor so. on you in there yeah, cause you don't look like a, a lube guy i mean i would you know you're not gonna be you know having some i can't imagine you know i got for example i have a um a buddy who lives in tennessee and his mother and this is a true story um steve's mother has a side business where she gathers um bunch of women together and they have parties to sell um what would i i want to put this toys what yeah there you go you said it better than me they sell toys uh toys that uh, women would appreciate and utilize um but you don't look like that kind of guy nope i'm not (laughs) so i'd be surprised too so uh and you're not that kind of guy which is interesting Uh well not interesting it's just you know but uh, upward and onward, uh, the teasing of Jeremy Day will cease at this moment because there is um, there is something really cool to celebrate, um, and it's something I wanted to bring up. And uh, you know, it's apparent I think at times in this country right now that we can be super fractured and divided. And sometimes you can say like, I know one in terms of politics. I never feel like my voice is ever heard or that I can actually accomplish anything on a large scale. But I think recently uh, the work of backcountry hunters and anglers and uh, a recent bill going in um, to law being signed by President Trump recently, um, it was S-47 and now it's going into law as the uh, John D. Dingle Jr. Conservation Management and Recreation Act, which now... um, the cool part about that is uh, this action um, is going to make sure that our public lands stay in public hands in terms of funding and all that kind of stuff. So it's a big win in terms of um, public land hunting. And, and I want to give a, a tip of the cat to backcountry hunters and anglers because, um, you know, they did a really cool job of organizing folks. And I was... Um, you know, just kind of signing up right now. I got my public um, public landowner T-shirt on, but um, when I signed up and got the T-shirt, I just wanted the T-shirt. But then after I signed up, I used to get these emails. You know, contact your congressman, do this, and um, I looked into this act and what they were trying to push. And I actually called my congressman in South Carolina because um, I'm still a registered. Uh, um, that's where my residency is. But I also called um, my public officials here in Washington, and um, they had a cool little script. They told us how to do it. And um, I called them and said, hey, this is an important thing. Get this through. And um, it is through. And I think another thing to note is in, in this time where the country can look divided at certain times on political issues or even, you know, even even things like gender identification we're in a interesting place now where people get super worked up but um i think it's interesting also to note that this bill in the senate passed with a a 92 vote and in the house it passed with a 363 uh 
and then on I think on the no sides in the Senate, it's, the math is easy. That was eight, and then on the no side in the Congress, I think it might have been like sixty-two folks. Which, you know, then the president signed. I mean, Jeremy, that that's like that's almost a hundred percent, and and those numbers don't reflect. I think the 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 division that we might see on the local news or even on CNN or whatever news channel you watch. So I think it's really cool that backcountry hunters and anglers organized a bunch of hunters and fishermen and guys who like to be outside to to get legitimate legislation done. Um, and I think it um, to me gives me hope that you know maybe we can get past a bunch of the garbage that gets us angry at each other and, and really do positive things for the environment and the country. Yeah, I agree. I mean, by locking that land in, they can't sell it in the, in the future for whatever political reason. Uh, over in Oregon, they had um, the Iliot National Forest, which uh, had some big giant trees, and the, the activists would go in there and keep suing the county and keep suing the county, and the county finally said, screw it, and they sold it. Huh. A big portion of it to private timberland. <clears throat> now, was so that, that they state didn't have to land? Deal with it. That was state land, yeah. Yeah. And but that, that's on a smaller scale. It's not on this federal scale, but... Well, th- um, that's an important thing to note, too. There is a big difference between your federal public lands and your state lands because, like, state and federal are, are mandated to do different things with their land. You know, the state is actually mandated to... Um, they have to make a profit on it. And if they can't or if things get tight, one of the first things that states do... I, not the first thing, but one thing a state can do is just sell the land, and they yeah. do, and they do it. I mean, if you look at um, state like Texas, you know, a lot of there's a lot of private land that it's now private or that the state had sold or or to corporations or stuff, and even a city like I think Nevada's one that's like this. But you know, out, out here where we live in in the Pacific Northwest, I mean, we have a ton of public land access, and a lot of it is because that land falls under that kind of public land that 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 federally protected public land. But there is a difference with the state land, and that 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 is a cool example of that. You know, states can do different things with their land, and sometimes, you know, um, if it's not in the right place or without the right activists or people fighting for it, you'll, you could, the potential is to lose it. And we almost lost some of it here. Um, you know, the potential to lose some of that public land in, in a federal way, um, some of that, um, we have to worry less about it now because of this act, which is really cool. That is awesome. And it's not an easy task to get a bunch of people together to lobby to, you know, get them to write stuff like this in Congress and get it passed through. Well, yeah, and that, that that's too, uh, even, I think, even I've noticed amongst whatever, like, um, you know, fly fishermen and conventional tackle guys, you know, every now and then they're different or, you know, you go to a stream, uh, and, and you can, you know, I guess when you pull up to a stream and you see someone in the water, he's always an asshole who's in your hole. Right. Um, and, and it could be the same thing when you walk into the woods and you see a guy's, uh, you don't know who the guy is, but he's backed into the, he's backed into the, um, to the trailhead that you were going to hunt and you don't know, but he's, he's the asshole hunting your spot. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, there's always these rivalries, right? Yeah, that's right. The naturalist against the modern. And, um, yeah, sometimes it can get exhausting getting in a conversation with the guy that's so narrow minded that he's thinking, you know, the natural way is the best way or the rifles, the, you know, the modern and then the new, and you got to get on board to me. I get in some of those conversations and I'm like, geez, like, it doesn't matter, man. We're all here to, you know, 
just be part of the woods and have good time and just do conservation and, you know, enjoy what God provided us. And that's, you know, this beautiful earth. Beautiful place. And, and, and fortunately with, you know, a guy like maybe um, Teddy Roosevelt comes to mind where, you know, he had the vision that said, hey, I see what's going on back east with people gobbling up land as we spread west. we got to protect some of these places for everyone to enjoy. So keep that in mind, you know what I mean? And, you know, I guess sometimes it's really easy to start a conversation with somebody and fixate on what's different amongst you, whether that's, hey, he looks different, why is he doing that? Or he does something different, why is he doing that? And then all of a sudden, I think what I think what can screw that up is sometimes you go into a conversation and when someone's doing something different, whether that's fly tackle versus hitting conventional or going archery versus modern, like you can think, well, if he's doing that and he likes it, well... I must be doing something wrong. So I need to defend why I think this is right. Where where I think the 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 real the real conversation needs to be, man, um you love being in the woods, don't you? Right? And, and then start backwards from there and I think you'll find a lot more common ground. So um um groups like backcountry hunters and anglers I think is a is a great place to 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 do that. I think they I think they try to bring everybody into the fold no matter why you want to be in the woods. Um so I think it's cool, and um, if they, if it brings us together, and I think this this act going through can really show the power of this community. Um, so so we keep it going, right? And and rather than focus on um, differences amongst, um, whether that's you know what color shirt you wear or um, you know how you harvest your critters, uh, focus on the fact that there are some. Um, there's a lot more common ground there and there's different because, uh, you know, and the, the plight of the hunter, I think is really interesting, right? Even politically, it's like, Hey, what the heck, you know, this side wants to, if, if you do divide this country up into left and right, you know, one side wants to steal the guns and one side wants to take the land. Right. So yeah, um, if, if, if we as hunters can rather than, I'll tell you, right. You know, I identify politically as I would say independent because, you know, I, I can skirt, different sides of those things and i if there was a party that was kind of hunter based i would probably find a way to choose that one because you know i think people should have the right to do their thing how they want to and access public land and conservation something that um i think is important to me and um all those things so uh, well you need to start your own party man and get it going <laughs> yeah that's right well I, I i don't know what there are i mean but i i I would, I would, I would leave that Jeremy in the hands of the backcountry hunters and anglers guys. They seem to have done a pretty good job um, getting people to do this. So um, why don't why don't we come up with the hunter party or the, I, the green party's already been taken. Maybe it would be the maybe <laughs> yeah. the camo party. Could we do that the camo one? Camo party. There you go. <laughs> the orange party. <laughs> we'll work it out. So if you got any tips for that, but I would say uh, if you're not a member of backcountry hunters and anglers, uh, do so. Join it. I've gone to. I went to a, a recording of the Meat Eater podcast that was a fundraiser for that. It's a great group, fun group. I've not gone to one of their rendezvous, but uh, um, they've gotten me to pay attention uh, politically to certain things that are important, and um, it's a fun group, and um, uh, tip of the cap to them. I mean, it's hard to get anything done, let alone organize um, millions of people across the country to move legislation through Congress and onto the president's desk. So fired up stuff right there, man. Awesome. Yeah. yeah you did your part, man. You were that one vote. Woo. 
helped, helped all the uh, helped the majority. Well, how about that? No, you feel like that a little bit when you get. Yeah. It, how nice is a thank you? Right, like even in that yeah. regard, because they did. They sent an email. Thanks a lot for all your help, and even putting out videos That's awesome. on social media. But um, you know, I've never, I've never felt in any sort of national political thing that I had anything to do with it until this one. And uh, that is 100% because of the organization and um, active pursuit of this thing going the way they wanted to um, by the guys at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So super rad, man. Um, so get out there. Be active. Uh, find your local chapter. Uh, reach out to them. Join the group. Hell, pay the 35 bucks and just get the damn T-shirt because it's worth it. It's pretty cool. I get a lot of, I get a lot of questions about it. They're like, you're a public landowner? And I'm like, yeah, and you are too. Do you, do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, and the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation too is another one that's a good one. Yep, there it helps. Yeah, I mean, it. what do they got? Eight million acres they've locked up. Yeah, and they and they do it. And... They do it. They they protect the elk, and and their mission is um, they do it from a, a similar place where they like to open up access. So, I guess there's been a bunch of stuff. But the way I gather that they, you know they buy land, they do things uh, for the elk to keep them healthy, but. Um, when they look for land purchases to open up access, though, I guess a lot of the public land that should be accessible is not because people will kind of frame it with private land. You know, yeah. imagine imagine four buddies getting together and buying, you know, four tracts of land that box in public land. Well, now you've done all this or you block a road. So um, they open up roads, they open up access, they do lots of stuff. So check it out. Yeah, those are two groups that I'm... Uh, I follow their stuff. I get their little newsletters. I follow their emails. Um, when they raise a call to action that I can contribute to, I, I try to. And um, it's, I think I think it's made me a better hunter because it's made me more aware of the fact that um, those those rights can be taken away from you by, by really um, nefarious and sneaky tactics which is kind of a bullshit way to do things. So, but but people <laughs> yeah. do it, right? Oh yeah, that's their political system right now. That's what we're going through. Well, seriously, so being involved in some of those groups gets you to pay attention. So if you're somebody who wants to walk on public land and harvest meat for your family and put a trophy on your wall whatever you're doing it, like, you know, you should pay attention. And if you're not involved in I mean, in their sheep groups, right? I think there's there's different sheep foundations, you know, there's Trout Unlimited, Duck Unlimited. I mean, there's groups everywhere. So pick one, pick your critter. I bet there's a group. You should join it and you should get involved. Um, that That's my uh, that's my call to action today, Jeremy, um, to the group. Um, but, uh, but speaking, sir, of houses divided, um, you know, I know where your neck of the woods, where you grew up, isn't there like a fight between ducks and beavers all the time? <laughs> yeah good old oregon yeah <laughs> yep they're always i mean that's the big rivalry yeah when i was in south carolina you'd have like the gamecocks and the tigers wanting to get after each other uh uh north carolina you got tar heels and blue devils wanting to tackle each other for for whatever putting ball in a hoop but even amongst hunters you know you you might have these divides amongst um modern and archery guys uh you could have it on how you put a line in the water and some guys jeremy or can be all worked up over their fabric choices too you can have a wool man a synthetic guy or maybe you got some other guy who's got some other weird thing so today we want to shed some light on um 
uh, what we wear in the woods or what we have learned about wearing stuff in the woods. I mean, uh, past episode, we, we tackled some a boot conundrum, so we thought it would be fun to just kind of hash out different uh, fabric options or gear options so you can uh, be comfy, cozy, dry in the woods. Um, so, Jeremy, you've been, you've been in this game a while. Uh, when you first got into it, um, has your uniform in the woods changed to what you wear now? Significantly. <laughs> okay. I started off with uh, tennis shoes, blue jeans, and cotton shirts and nice. sweaters. <laughs> and uh, and it worked okay in Idaho. You know, the high desert, it, you know, warm days, in the mornings you're walking around. Mm-hmm. But uh, it did not work in Oregon when we moved there when I was 13. Um, the rain there, it was heavy. And then I did not start hunting until I was 21. So when I was 18, my wife and I moved back to Idaho, started hunting. Or no, wait, let me think about this. We moved back when I was 19 and then I didn't start hunting until I was 21. And, uh, yeah, and then we moved back to Oregon after we had our first kid from Pocatello, Idaho. And then, um, that first season in Oregon was an eye opener because okay. it rained so stinking much. We were over in the um, Saddle Mountain area where it, it just rains and rains and rains the whole time you're there. So I got soaking wet, and I mean soaking wet. My feet were cold. My legs were cold. I mean, and I was I was wet for the whole week we were there. It was it was pretty miserable. So the first thing I did when I got back from that hunt was got my uh, – Got some good pair of boots. And then I got wool pants and um, kind of a wool-type layering system at that time, and and which I used for, I mean, years and years up until about three to five years ago until I got uh, started learning about layering up properly and all these synthetics and your merino wools and all this other stuff. So, yeah, it's... It's definitely evolved over the years, and um, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you can um, spend a lot of money, and I tell you what, it's 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 well worth it. Yeah, if you can afford it. And and there, but and then there are choices. And when you look into it, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when you get into anything new, you you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose, and it's like, what do I do? What do I do? And um, I think in the beginning you can be pretty resourceful to sort some things out. You know what I mean? I would just think yeah. that maybe, but I think you can add a layer of your resourcefulness to if you just consider what you want or what's better than something in a particular reason. And I think, I think what's important maybe just to think if you if you are going to go out and buy particular gear, I think the jury's out that um, you just want to try your best to avoid uh, cotton-based fabrics because um, th- the thing there is they're going to get wet. They're not super durable. Um, you know, they'll smell, and the fact is they're not going to dry very quickly. Um, just something like no. that would, would be something super important um, to consider. But that's also to say that you know just because you want to hunt in the woods, you don't have to go on to some hunting-based, uh, you know... I. You don't have to go to some tip-top brand and spend, you know, uh, 1200 bucks on this high-end layering system to enter the woods. I mean, you still went out in the woods and, and did your thing. So there's, 
Well, I just pushed through it. I mean, I, yeah, and I it. developed that mental toughness throughout that whole whole time. And I didn't know any better, right? Yeah. Ignorance so is bliss I, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And it, it never hindered my hours out in the field. I mean, I was cold. I was miserable sometimes. And um, But that's hunting. I mean, even with this high-end stuff, you still get cold and you still can be miserable out there for a derailment. But, um, but yeah, it's... The main thing is this layering up, right? Sure. And what you use in all those three layers. And and to touch on it, you got your base layer, your mid layer, and your outer layer. And your base layer is usually just mainly it's kind of a moisture management. You want to try to get the the sweat off your body as quick as possible. And so there's two types that are really used in the industry right now. And you have merino wool and then you have a synthetic. Now, this is where it kind of gets people who are like, I'm a merino wool guy or I'm a synthetic guy. And they both have their pluses and their minuses, right? As everything does out there. Well, what would you consider yourself, sir? I'm a synthetic guy. Woo! Well, I... And I, what about you? I would... I, I prefer merino wool, and I'll tell you why. Because I stink when I sleep, bro. I'm a smelly... You stink all the time. I'm what a are you smelly talking about? Little, I'm a smelly little man. <laughs> Um, when I get to training, um, I smell and, um, I know when I don't have access to like showers, like in the woods, things can, uh, build up pretty quick. And I know that, uh, um, the, the Merino wool, the, the wool in particular, um, kind of backs some of that down. <laughs> so, um, so I like to go that route. Yeah. It's got those natural properties in it that help with the, the stink factor, That's right. which is good for people like you. <laughs> That's right. But I think on the other end, um, where synthetics are a little bit better is they're just a little bit more durable. I think if you if you if you put the two against each other in a fight, and you, I don't know how they test these things and, and bent it, folded it, worked it. If you get two guys doing the same exact thing, I mean, the fact is the synthetics are just going to hold up a little bit better. Well, they're just tight, more tightly woven. You know, the the wool's kind of you're still dealing with wool, right? Uh, so it's a little thicker, or and. Um, the main thing is, you know, with these base layers, and it all depends on the individual. And the wool, the synthetic or the uh, merino wool, I'm sorry, will it'll hold the moisture a little bit longer than the synthetic. So it's not going to get it off your body pretty rap, you know, as rapidly as quick. I'm sorry. So when you're out doing a lot of hiking, like in in damp areas where you perspire a lot, once you get to the ridge or wherever you're, the point that you're trying to get to. It could take, you know, three to four times longer for the merino wool to dry than the synthetic. So the synthetics are going to get it off your body a lot quicker and get it pushed towards that second layer or mid layer. So that's one thing. So you'll be you'll feel colder for a little bit longer with the merino wool when you stop your hunt or when you pause or what have you. Where with the synthetics, you'll feel it real for a little bit and then it'll get the moisture will get off your body and then it'll start, you know, acclimating a little better. Sure. And these, these layers, um, work together. They, they dry you down. They keep you comfy. They, they do different things. And some of these things can, they, they work together, right? Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're hunting, right. I mean, especially in the, again, and I think there needs to be a consideration to think about when you are making this kind of gear thought, um, 
where you're hunting, why you're hunting. I mean, where we were, where we hunted elk camp was, it was steep. You're, you're having these moments where you work really hard. You're, you're banging through brush hell. Um, and I was getting my bow tuned up, uh, to start training again. Um, you know, some guys looking at it realized, you know, this has been a little bit, throwing this thing off a little bit, and that's because we're in some thick stuff, and you can get things knocked around, and, you know, there were times where, um, you know, I'd have a, a briar or some, what looked like a, you know, a four-inch barbed hook uh, roll through my shirt and grab me as I'm kind of falling down a mountain, like, that's not fun, you know, that that's the stuff that, that we're hunting, and so to consider that, um, is a big deal. But the other thing to consider is because we're up and down and working so hard to get to a certain spot, you know, you're always doing this thing where you're taking off this, putting that back on. And and that's what ends up happening. You know, in a perfect scenario, you can match your output as a, as a mover to um, the clothes you're wearing. And if you do it the right way, you really shouldn't sweat because that's what you're really trying to avoid, you know, for a lot of reasons. One, the moisture, gets you cold if you're and you can't get dry then when you stop you're you're sol and you're in big trouble if you're soaked down especially on a cold day but the other side of it is too you know with certain critters if if you're with with right wind going around and you build up a big sweat and 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 you smell like a tin of sardines out there um You'll be broadcasting where you are, what you're doing, and and it could alleviate or it could uh, it could hurt your chances of sneaking up on the right critter, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and the synthetics, that's where they're. I mean, if you get a synthetic that doesn't have a property that um, that bio something another property that eliminates the odor or helps eliminate odor inside that fabric. If it's just a synthetic like you get from Walmart or whatever, it's going to get stinky within a day or two days. And um, then you're going to have to change your base layer more often, right? So um, that's that's the downfall of the synthetics because you do – it does retain and hold that stinkiness. I mean, every, those, everything's got a pro and a con. And I think I think um, there, needs, there needs to be a level of like – experimentation and seeing what you like and to be honest you you have to you should wear it too i mean look if you're going to put out for something put it on because you know as as much as merino wool um will be touted as soft and comfortable i would also tell you it still has a bit of a an itch or a tug to it that's not as nice as some synthetic stuff or even you know look man there's nothing nicer than putting a brand new fleece on right it's soft it feels nice i mean you're just you know, as people will say, merino wool is soft and feels good. It doesn't feel that good. So there, there is some personal preference that you take into account that, that legitimately you're only going to be able to sort out if you try. Yeah, the things. old wool that I used to use, I mean, it was just – it was 100% wool, man. That stuff was – it took a little bit to get used to the itchiness and stuff. It took a couple times wearing it. And then after that, you know, it wasn't that bad. But every first day of the hunting season, I'd throw those on and I'd get the itches and <laughs> – well, Man, I kinda, was... that's why I like the wool a little bit. You know, I like wool for the same reason I probably like whiskey because it hurts a little bit. <laughs> that's right. It builds, yeah, I, <laughs> makes it tough. Yeah, I like a little little friction in my life. You know what I mean? So so we, we go that route. But, um, yeah, so consider it. Wear it. Try it. I mean, to me, even I still wear as a base layer on cold days. Um, if it, you know, and, and the base layer kind of stays the same for me, but the only time that that's going to change is like on a – if I know I'm going somewhere really cold, 
um, I'll throw um, I'll throw like a compression synthetic layer underneath, which would be like a, you know, I have some old Under Armour clothes from football that that I wear um, still. That if I know it's just going to be cold, and those are synthetic base that I'll throw on underneath. Um, it's just your standard kind of Under Armour cold gear, and um, I've had a ton of success with that. And that stuff can be relatively um, affordable too. So, so check that out. Um, I would just say, I would, again, to find common ground, what, what you just want to avoid with your base layer is cotton. Cause you just want, you want something that's going to be durable. You want something that's going to keep you dry and you want something that's going to keep you from broadcasting scent all over the place. And you just have to find your right mix of, um, you know, what are you doing movement wise in the woods to slow that process down? And then, through that, you can sort out which one you're comfortable with and which one you can ultimately afford. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the second layer would be like your, your insulating layer and, and that's going to go over top. Um, a- any recommendations for that second layer, Jeremy, like, you know, what, what's the purpose of it? And, um, well, basically the second layer is just like you said, it's your insulation layer. It's going to keep you, that's what's going to keep your temperature or your, you, you know, your body, your core. Um, it's going to manage that to where you're not getting too cold, too hot, you know, it's going to keep it right there in the middle and, and be, you know, allow you to be comfortable throughout the day. I usually use a mid layer pants and a base layer shirt is what I wear all day long and during the month of September because it could be 80 degrees during the day or what have you. So um, I always just wear that base layer. And then when it gets cold, I'll throw on that mid-layer insulation. So sometimes I'll wear it in the morning, the mid-layer, yeah. and then um, kind of go on there. And then so, you know, they have the synthetics there too. I always use – and merino wool. I'm, I'm a synthetic guy, and, you know, because we hunt in a very – an area with a lot of moisture and a lot of thorny, prickly, brushy stuff that can grab onto you. And it, it seemed to me that the merino wool and uh, would get caught up on that, and then it would it would tear and stuff. So the it, the synthetic will slide a little bit better. Yeah, no, I. But can... when you're in a little more open country, you might want to go to you know, open country dryer typically is what happens when it's more open country, um, go to the merino wool. No, I can attest to that. I mean, I have a, I have a wool, I have a wool shirt that I love to hunt in and, um, it's got a couple, it's got, it's got grabbed a couple of times, got a couple of holes in there. Not happy about it. Um, but, uh, and, but that, that's something that's relatively unavoidable, um, in the, where we're hunting. But, uh, you know, for my, for my, my insulation layer, um, uh, I, I always like to keep a, I'll have a fleece with me handy in hunting camp and I'll throw that on. And even, uh, I have a, um, I have like a half zip QU, um, uh, synthetic based, um, insulation layer top. And to be honest, I really actually, if, if you can go this route and you are looking for something new, I like the QU stuff because it seems to be, it seems to be cut for more of an athletic build and they're, their whole thing is about keeping some things light. So they have they have a cool little fleece layer on the inside of the shirt, and then on the outside, it's got that nice slippery synthetic blend that you're talking about that has that durability, that has that durable quality to it. So um, right, but I also yeah, and there's there's lots of manufacturers now with you know you got First Light, Sitka, um, Under Armour now I think is making yeah. some good stuff, and of course QU. Um, 
So it's like there's the a space lot of race. Tech, They're all trying to take lands. us to the moon, Jeremy. I know it's crazy. <laughs> but well. and but I think what's cool is they do put they do put these. I think when when you look at again and go go into our opening conversation about backcountry hunters and anglers, I think what's interesting about supporting um, some of these folks is you know you end up do making a vote with your purchase, right? So um, I. I think it's interesting to consider when you look at some of these bigger brands or not bigger brands, these maybe higher priced brands that, you know, they do put a good bit of research into what they're creating. I mean, for example, uh, um, Sitka, the guy who runs that outfit, that guy used to do uh, cold weather training for the U.S. government. I mean, he's training SEALs and putting that information in there. So he's bringing that to the company. I mean, uh, companies like First Light are trying to specialize in the best uses for wool, and, and they have real hunters out there. And not only that, you know, these hunting-based companies do a ton in terms of promoting conservation and supporting uh, groups like that. So, um, you know, sure, you want to do it affordably, but I think it's if you can, I think by supporting some of these brands that are kind of hunter-based, you're also supporting the community and, and making it better and and. So, so, so that is an interesting consideration to to kind of bring up the, those brands in that regard. Yeah, and the and, and as far as cost, if you're military, a lot of these guys give you a great military discount. So it's worth asking when you're purchasing um, the gear. I know Sidka for sure does, and QU for sure does. I'm not sure about First Light, but um, well, I think what First Light does is if you are military and you are some, they are involved. I wish I could remember the name of the site. Um, uh, offhand, I can't think of it, but it's a site where if you are like in, if you're in the police force, firearm, or first responder, um, they bundle up a bunch of companies where you can get like significant discounts on it. Oh man, no, that's great. I can't remember the name of it, but there, there's a couple things like this. And weren't you telling me, you know, if you want to be resourceful internet wise, there's um like Camo Fire. I mean, there are places you can find yeah. this higher end stuff that may be on like. You know, it's a year old or, I mean, heck, in Gig Harbor, um, there is a, um, there's a, uh, there's a shop right there at, underneath CrossFit Gig Harbor where it's a, um, it's a sample sale where you can get yeah. really cool, like, ski gear and, and every now and then, um, there's some cool hunting stuff in there. Yeah, they do that. I've gone down there and, and it's hit or miss, right? Because they send out an email and say, hey, we're open from nine to five today. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> and then you don't see it and then they're not not there for a month or two well when i would be training at cross street gig harbor i would just pop in they'd be open i've gotten some pretty cool gear in there but yeah i mean you can be resourceful you can figure it out but i do think that there is some consideration to sort out whether you're going to be a synthetic guy or a merino guy and just play with it i think both of them are going to have their 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 qualities um but but you know those those qualities of those two fabrics are going to be far superior than your typical, your your typical cotton-based stuff that you're getting, you know, um, at your typical store. So it, it takes, you know, if if you're savvy and, and note some of that information, you could probably walk into like a secondhand store or Goodwill and find a nice wool shirt, right? I mean, you could probably, if, like I said, if if you're savvy, you, you can sort some of these things out. Um, uh, to to move it forward though, the the outer layer, which is I can tell you. Um, is a place where I have spent decent money because of our climate. You know, when we're out here hunting Western Washington, I haven't gone on a hunt out here where it hasn't rained, and I haven't spent a significant amount of time getting 
getting drizzled on. So, um, that said, uh, uh, the rain gear is really important. Um, you want it to be light. You want it to keep you dry. You want it to be breathable. You want it to do all those certain things. Um, that's something that I consider when I look at the outer layer more than I'll consider, um, super extreme cold because we're just, um, I haven't hunted in those super extreme cold places. It's just not what's just not what I've had access to or, or want to do right now. So, um, considering Western Washington, uh, rain gear for that outer layer is, is a paramount consideration. Yeah. And it'll protect you. You know, a lot of the outer layers too. I mean, they basically, they protect you from the rain and wind. So that way to help that mid layer and the base layer to keep you warm, you know, it's kind of the, the icing right there on the, on the top, right? Yeah, and I love that Traps you bring everything. Up, I, I like that you bring up the wind because a, a stiff, cold wind will zap your ass. Oh, it'll it, it's one of the it, it'll dry you out quicker than anything. Yeah, and um, so it, um, and yeah, you got to have that windbreaker and the mid layers too. You can get them with the wind wind um, protection as well. So yeah, I mean, I'll wear even I keep um I have a really light rain jacket that I just keep in there because I've. You know, in a day where it is relatively dry, when you get to the top of a peak or something and that wind's howling, I mean, it, it can be, it can, it, it can strip um, warmth from you. I mean, it can really, it can not only make it harder to just keep walking, keep moving, it demoralizes you, not want to stay still, but, but excuse me, but it will also, um, man, it just, it, 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 it can really knock down your temperature and um, it's interesting, yeah. man. Um It'll it'll fatigue you for sure. So so consider that. I mean, you you want to build you want to build your little system and have them work together. And I just I wonder if just tinkering around if you know because some of these qualities. I just wonder, just kind of talking. I wonder if maybe going something like synthetic on the bottom as your base layer because it dries so much quicker and um, wicks the moisture off your body fast. And then maybe going with wool as the base layer to maybe. Um, grab some of that moisture quicker off the synthetic and off your body, but then still get that quality of scent control a little bit would, would be the way to go. So something I'm, yeah, cons- something, something I'm considering, but um, it's something you have to play with and it's something you, you do. Should. And you know, and it's always a good thing to just give these manufacturers a call to like, we, I mean, we keep preaching that over and over and, um, and do your research. I mean, you can do it online as well, but, I'm a voice to voice guy cause I like to ask a lot of questions and, um, so I like calling up and they always have somebody answering the phone on the help desks as we've mentioned many a times. So voice to voice guy, uh, you know, that, yep. that sir is like a bit of a lost art. I mean, even right now, um, you know, my, uh, my health class, we're talking about developing the interpersonal skills and, you know, things like uh, social anxiety disorder, um, on the rise, these kids, uh, they're fragile little critters, but a lot of it is because people just don't talk to each other. Right. So, right. I mean, social media, texting, all that's, it's a matter of interpretation and it depends on if you're having a bad day or if they're having a bad day and somebody can text you and go, Hey, how are you doing today? And you can be like, what do you mean? How am I doing today? (laughs) I'm doing fine. It's just cause you're in a pissy mood. Yeah. Right. But but two, you can sift out which company is for real because, like you said, any company, any person can really paint in it any picture they want about their apparel, right? And you know you can you can say this and tote that stout and uh, stat and and you can brand 
you can brand a fabric as whatever you want with the, the right picture and, and the right face behind it. Um, but I think the true test, if you're going to like something, is to to give it a go. You know what I mean? Be resourceful. Try it. Track it. Um, but I definitely think the other consideration just needs to be that. Um, and I think we talked a little bit about this on the boot conversation. But, you know, you personally need to build up some resiliencies. You know, if if you know you're going to be spending time in the woods hunting, you should probably spend time in the woods before you go hunting. Like, get used to the environment, you know. Um, you know, take it. You're not going to freeze to death. Um, not having a jacket walking to work one day. You know what I mean? Like, build up some of those resiliencies and get used to the temperature by... Maybe not trying to be so comfortable in your day-to-day life, you know what I mean? And Because, you know, no matter how expensive your gear is, if you're not able-bodied, you know, you just, you're not going to write a big enough check to cover your ass. Or even mentally, because, I mean, everybody yeah. has a different level of cold, right? Yes. So I could walk out now on this snowstorm here, and I could just have a t-shirt and a sweater, and I'll, I'll be fine. That's right. Some got some other person might need the t-shirt, sweater, and a thick parka, but it's because I've experienced it, and my body has that memory that hey man, we're gonna it, we're gonna we'll survive. This ain't we'll as cold as Utah, it. bro. You only have to go ten <laughs> feet to your car. That's it. Well, and that's the other thing. Like, and here here's the other thing I'll say: even if you're not gonna be fine in your t-shirt and sweater in the snow, you actually will be because you'll have the option to just go right back inside. Like, That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, test yourself a little bit. You know, I, I, again, I tell the kids this all the time when I'm teaching them and, and the athletes that I'll work with on, on the larger scale that, you know, stress is required to adapt. What you have to do is dose that stress appropriately. So if you overdose it, you'll never do it again and you get pissed off or you get an injury, right? Or you have a freak out moment and, and you've developed now a phobia. But with the right dose of stress, your body gets used to something, and then the next dose is a little bit more, and you build up to it. You know what I mean? Like, there's guys like Wim Hof. Um, he's a guy to check out who, you know, he he's in the frigid cold jumping into alpine streams. You know what I mean? And, and he's built that up where it's enjoyable to him. And, and, and people, and he's trained others to do it, and they do it, and... Um, you can too. Um, it's just a matter of dosing that stress appropriately, sorting out what you can do and what you're willing to do, and then walking it out from there. And I, I think there's a lot of value in that too. I mean, you're not going to ever find the the perfect gear, but I think I think you can have the perfect setup to match your body if you put the time into finding what you like and training yourself to deal with the circumstances. Yeah, and that's the deal. Training yourself. I mean. There's been so many times I've been up in the woods and I go, oh, I'm going to just leave my jacket down there because it's not going to get that cold. But then I'm up there. I mean, I am shivering to death. And there's ways to stay warm even when you're cold. But what I found most of the time, it's it's my mental. I'm sitting there thinking, geez, I'm freezing cold. I'm freezing cold. I'm freezing cold. And I get colder and colder and colder. But then when I start going, well, maybe I'll do, you know, some core strength. I'll just sit there and tight. Tighten my abs, loosen them, tighten them, loosen them. And then now I've just turned the focus over into my abs. And they say that's the number one killer in the woods is somebody's mind because they'll 
go out there and they just start overthinking and overthinking it. But then if you just, the, the number one thing that saves lives is a fire because it pulls your, um, pulls you from that negative thinking. And then you kind of, the fire mesmerizes you, you think you're getting warm. Mm. And so, um, it's, it's really a mental game. Well, it's something to do, right? It keeps you active. I mean, if you sit there and think about how tough the circumstance is, guess what? It's going to get tougher. Right. Right. So, um, you know, get and you will survive. There are there as long as you're, you know, properly prepared. I mean, there's things to do to warm up. Like you said, I mean, that's why it's cool. Even in your gear pack, you should have some food, right? I mean, eating is going to start to warm you up internally. Um, Moving around a bit is going to get you going. And honestly, like even if you have a tough situation where you've fallen into a stream or something, if if you have, um, man, if you have a, uh, hopefully if you have an outer layer in your in your jacket or something, you can throw that on and start humping it up the mountain to, to, to build that up. I think what, what the scary part is when you get into a tough spot is just kind of, kind of doing nothing. Um, and just letting, letting the situation kind of overtake you. But, um, right. In the meantime, I, again, I can't, you, you have to find moments where you can build those resiliencies in you. I mean, um, again, I, I don't know if I talked about this on the boot episode, but you know, I'll, I finish my morning off after my workout. I come up and train. I zap the cold water on, and I don't, I don't come out of there until. Do you ever, you know, you jump in that cold stream and you go, <gasps> and you start hyperventilating. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't come out of the shower until I can chill that down. So one warming technique is is breathing. You know, you can go into some breathing protocols to, um, to switch your to ner- switch your nervous system. I always confuse parasympathetic and sympathetic, but, um, one of them calms you down and gets you sleepy you turn on the off switch one of them is your flight or fight and you can access that through through breathing protocol and um, even in my little cold water shower i'll go through some box breathing techniques um just to 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 calm it down and it's amazing once you do that um you just don't you just don't feel the cold as much it doesn't feel as bad as that initial shock so um even just breathing properly um can or breathing to match the scenario can sort out um get in your mind right but um there's all stuff you can do it's not just it's not just the gear you know a wool shirt's not gonna a wool shirt um well maybe it will but a, a wool shirt um isn't going to uh well maybe it will save you jeremy I, i'm tripping myself up on this one but um you know, it sure it's, will. Yeah, it'll hold the moisture and keep you <laughs> warm. Right. It just uh, it'll add about five, yeah. five to fifteen pounds to your weight when you're trying to walk out of the woods. Yeah, where so, but um, what? It's the marriage, not only the layering that you're going to work, but you have to put in some time as a human to sort out um, what you're going to do and, and build some internal res- resiliency, so you can, you know, you can match the wilderness. You know, you got to be woods ready. You you gotta you gotta put some effort into it. So. Absolutely. And that's the key thing is just, you know, like we keep preaching here is that mental toughness and you can buy as, excuse me, you can buy as many clothes and layers as you want, but if you're not mentally tough, they may not just, they might not work for you. Yeah, you'll crack. You know what I mean? I mean, like I got my little girls here. They like their little Leos for gymnastics, but you know, dang it. If there's not a a stand-in coach in my little four-year-old breaks down 
You know, yeah. she, she gets, you know, she gets all, she'll get a little worked <laughs> up because she's shy, right? And that, that Leo isn't going to save her, right, from, from conquering that. She's got to figure out, you know, how to then manage the situation. And, and uh, we sort that out. So, um, you know, um, these things happen. So um, so don't just focus on the gear. You know, there's some things you can do. And some of those things we'll get into, Jeremy, on future episodes, how we can train. Like, for yeah. example, um, today I was mixing in some hunting with my workout. I was uh, going through a little press, box jump, pull-up workout. And in between sets, I'm pulling that bow back. Nice. Uh, dialing in some things and getting my shot process going. I'm working with a new release. And, um that was really cool. Um, this weekend we got together. I got to um, I got to meet your guy Ryan, and um, uh, really cool information that he gave us um, on setting up a bow. And I think that that's going to be some uh, some future content that we'll get to you, um, along with some other stuff in the works um, regarding some equipment outfitters that are going to be supplying us with some gear to give to you guys. Um. Uh, based off, which is of, exciting. Yeah, based off the the home gym setup that we had talked about in the previous episode. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, be on the lookout for some other things. And um, dang it, guys, go support your uh, local um, backcountry hunters and anglers groups. But uh, before we, we can't close... forget about our after action review here. No, that's what I'm gonna say. Before we close it out, I was gonna oh. say as we kind of uh, work towards our after action review, um, what are what are the major layering tips and considerations folks need to um, make Jeremy uh, before stomping off into the woods. Well, you got to have your base layer, your mid layer and your outer layer. The base layer, I mean, to look at it simplistically is the, um, is always the closest to your skin and it's mainly a moisture management system. Um, the mid layer, you kind of just think of it as your insulation. So it's going to trap in the heat and then help that core and the body regulate its temperature. And then the outer layer is going to be your, um, waterproofer or, you know, that wind protection needed to, you know, also trap in more heat in those really cold environments. So, and then you have your, Two types that have mainly used in the hunting world now, and it's your merino wool and synthetic wools. The merino wools are um, more natural; they're odor resistant, more so. And then your synthetics are um, will wick away a little quicker and um, dry a fast. little more dry faster. Correct. Cool. Yeah. There's 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 going to be some interesting trade offs in in everything you do. Um, you know, in the strength and conditioning world, you know, there's always a push, then there's always a pull, right? Um, yep. And, and that's the way it's going to work. And I think I think the last consideration is try stuff. Try stuff. And there's some resourceful things you can do to access some of this gear. You don't have to write the big check um, and just go tip top. I mean, you, you can be resourceful, you know. Um, if you're driving through a local ski community, why not pop into their goodwill and uh, check out to see if they got some any any wool clothes on the rack. You know what I mean. So um, then there are some websites you can cruise and sales you can find. Subscribe to your groups, and then lastly, to be an advocate for yourself is call these brands up. You know you'll find out really quick if there are real professionals running this brand and if they're putting real thought into it by calling them up. 
and dealing with their customer service. And if there's a lack of customer service or a lack of information given, there's also probably a lack on their end of actually putting real thought and research behind their product. So um, consider that stuff, man. And um, honestly, consider getting in the woods and consider sharing this show with your your hunting buddies, your training partners, and, and let people know um, what we're doing. Um, the best thing you can do to support this show is uh, review it on the iTunes machine um, or, or or your Android, however you're accessing the show um, in the podcast world. It would be awesome if you just shared it and gave us um, a quick little review because those reviews bump us up in the standings, and that's how we get seen. So um, fire it up, man. Fire it up, Jeremy. Um, as you... As we close the show, and you're in Utah, um, uh, selling not you're selling not personal lubricants. Um, <laughs> uh, I hope you get safe travels and get back here soon, man. It's always well, I mean, thanks. So that, that's never fun to have to be traveling along with weather, but um, I guess that's part of the business, huh? Yep, absolutely, man. I just uh, tackle it as it comes. So I uh. Usually don't get in too much trouble weather-wise, knock on wood, so I haven't been trapped anywhere yet. All right. Well, no trapping, so. sir. Um, and as we look forward to turkey season and prep for elk camp, um, we hope you guys are too. Um, and thanks a bunch for listening, and take care. Hope you guys found some value in that episode of Backcountry and Barbells. If you did, um, review the show, please. We'd really benefit from your reviews and your feedback. So head on over to backcountryandbarbells.com or just review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Also, guys, um, check out PR Lifting. Um, If you're buying some gear, buy it once, buy it from them, and let them know that we had sent you. Check out prlifting.com for their best deals. And also, guys, please, um, if you do anything, please just check out the Sendivet Foundation. I guarantee you will be happy that you did. Go over to send-a-vet.org and click the Donate Now button carve out some time or um, send us the name of someone who needs our help until the next time train hunt and live thank you very much